Have you heard my latest single called Hideaway? It came out on July 12th on all music streaming platforms. But if you want to show your support by buying a digital download, please visit Bandcamp and look up Ingrid D. Johnson and the Funky Fresh crew. I'm going to play it for you before the episode of my podcast begins. If you like it, please follow me on Spotify under Ingrid D. Johnson. Please follow me on Bandcamp after downloading a copy of the song. And please stay tuned because I'm working on a music video that I'm releasing on YouTube under Ingrid D. Johnson. So please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, enough talk. Let's listen to Hideaway. And then the episode of Writing Through the Pain will begin shortly after. Thank you so much for your support. Take care.
Are you looking for a practical gift for your loved one? A new graduate, a coworker, or perhaps a really close friend? Well, look no further. Check out my store, IDJ Designs, on Etsy and order one of my coffee mugs to support my mission to help draw awareness to the lifelong impact of childhood sexual abuse through my weekly podcast, my original music, my upcoming memoirs, previous poetry books, live shows, video film, and speaking engagements all under my small production company in the Closet Productions, a voice for the voiceless. Every purchase you make helps me, Ingrid D. Johnson, to continue sharing my story as an artist and a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Help me encourage those who feel voiceless and like no one understands their pain to speak up and to never lose hope. Check out my store on Etsy today. Thank you so much for your support and please tell a friend. Welcome. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of my weekly podcast, Writing Through the Pain. This is your host and Winnipeg multidisciplinary artist, Ingrid D. Johnson. Thank you, everyone, for joining me as I discuss, explore, and discover what facing and slowly healing after the trauma of childhood sexual abuse looks like in several areas of life, beginning with my childhood years and into my teens, and then slowly into my adult life. Thank you for choosing to go on this healing journey with me as I share pieces of my story from my upcoming book and also interviews with other people that are connected to my story. Would you like to do more to show your support for this podcast? Then please, subscribe, leave a tip in any amount, or become a monthly sponsor by contributing $5 a month or more through our PayPal link. That link is www.paypal.com forward slash paypalme, all one word, forward slash ITC sponsorship. In return, you will receive a quarterly newsletter, a download code to my album Visions and Dreams, and 10% discount off all new In the Closet Productions products and services. Every dollar you contribute will be used to produce inspiring original music, live music shows, speaking engagements, this podcast, and other creative projects that helps to draw awareness to the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Thank you so much for your wonderful support. My Story, Part 39, Khalid Some habits die hard, and some patterns won't be broken until we acknowledge them in our lives. Things that trip us up and keep us in a cycle of self-destruction when we long to change and thrive. This is what I would learn after breaking up with Taylor Poole and wrestling with God, my trauma, and my flesh for two and a half years afterwards. I would learn that I could be my own worst enemy, and that without God at my core and the gift of therapy in my life, I would always be messing up my life and the lives of others around me. Her name was Naima, and she was tall, athletic, and very beautiful. 
Her almond-shaped eyes, the long curly lashes, and short brown curly hair drew attention to her mocha chocolate oval face and made her look like a beautiful Amazon woman. She was perfect and so full of light and goodness. I could see why she was getting married. She was perfect. She was not like me, so full of lust and darkness with my trauma always triggering me. In my head, I was a bad girl, a party girl, a girl girls didn't like, a girl slowly dying on the inside for a lack of love. Naima was the opposite of all of that. Naima and I had only met once before, before I came to ruin her life with my lack of self-control. It was at a downtown lounge in Osborne Village on a late Friday night. She knew my baby brother and wanted me to give him her number so he could call her and they could talk. I thought it was very strange because two months earlier, she had just married a man that I had to tear myself away from coveting at the time. I was not one for asking questions though, so I listened to her request. Hi Ingrid, my name's Naima. Can you please give this number to your brother, she said, with a warm smile, holding out a small white piece of paper with her phone number scribbled on it. Wondering if she ever had had a romantic relationship with my baby brother, who was over six feet tall, handsome, and very charming, I took the paper from her hand and quickly buried it into my pocket. She was definitely my brother's type, who had a thing for beautiful, light-skinned women. Yeah, sure, I replied with a smile. Great, thank you so much, she says confidently. Confidently. Sure, no problem, but I don't know when I will see him, but I will give it to him when I do, I reply. Thanks. We used to talk all the time and then we lost touch, she says, smiling nervously. Okay, I'll see what I can do, I say, walking back to the dance floor to join the rest of my friends. That was almost a lifetime ago, a time when Naima and I could have been friends, even though I was older than her. And although we were complete opposites in her husband's eyes, she was wifey, the motherly figure for her daughter, for his daughter, the good girl, and his queen, while I, on the other hand, was his older accidental mistress, the side piece, the good time girl, the type of woman most men had fun with but the type most men ran from when it came to commitment at least back then for me I had fallen to a new low in my life and the enemy knew exactly when to strike he knew that I had stopped reading my bible stopped seeking Jesus stopped trying to be a good girl on the inside he knew that I had stopped trying to go to God to change my life He knew that I no longer had interest in being saved at the time. He knew that I had lost myself in my loneliness and lost sight of what was really good in this world. He knew that I was in rebellion against God, and changing my course was the furthest thing from my mind at the time. Perhaps it was my brokenness or my neediness that scared all the men in my life away. Perhaps it was because I could be a little neurotic 
obsessive, whatever it was. Most guys liked women that were easier to handle. They liked women that worshipped them and would rarely challenge their flaws. They liked women that did not force them to change or suffer the consequences of their actions. And they disliked women like me who knew what she wanted and went after it boldly. They felt intimidated by my restless spirit and insatiable thirst for love and affection. In short, they knew I was damaged goods and they did not want to commit to a broken woman like me. And to be honest, at the time, who could blame them? So, I was the type married men broke their vows for, slimy men. I was the outsider from the wrong side of the tracks, longing for love, but terrified of real commitment because deep down, I was too selfish to do the right thing. Making a commitment meant truly trusting a man to really love me, and I learned early on in life that completely trusting anyone, especially the wrong man, always meant pain, shame, the sting of betrayal, and a bruised and broken heart. And Khalid, well, he would be no different. Grandma says, all little kids need their rest. That's why every winter night, around 7 o'clock, she spreads out this brown foam mattress and covers it with a sheet, a blanket, and two pillows on the carpet in the dining room. She always puts the mattress directly across from the picture of the blue Hindi god on the wall. Then, when she's done, she tells my baby brother and me that it's time for bed, and every night I lay there scared and feeling tortured in the dark. I wish I could play outside like the other kids in the neighborhood. They never seem to have to go to bed at 7 o'clock. Every night, I toss and turn for hours after Grandma puts us to bed. I hear them playing outside, the kids, while me and my baby brother are stuck inside the house, sentenced to an early bed every single night, which my baby brother doesn't seem to mind because he's always snoring, always sleeping faster than me. I really wish I wasn't afraid of the dark. But when the sun goes down, my thoughts turn on themselves inside of me. My thoughts become dark and scary, and I imagine all sorts of horrible monsters waiting to attack me in the dark. And when this happens, all that I can do is cuddle up to my baby brother and pray to God for the sun to come early. Really early. To pass the time, I sing songs in the dark. The singing stops the silence. Singing drowns out all the little noises inside my head that scare me. The singing stops my pulse from sprinting and my eyes from bulging out of my head. It relaxes me. It relaxes my body. Until I look at those blue Hindi gods or that one Hindi god and suddenly my imagination turns on me and I see images of demons flashing across my mind as I lay frozen in despair praying for it to become daylight. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe. I want to go home. Khalid was married. He was married for less than a year. And the apparition of sin sitting on my couch. In his presence, I was well beyond temptation. 
I was already guilty of the type of sin one commits in the mind first, and then eventually acts out in the flesh. The sin of lust based on envy. I had lusted after another woman's husband. I had submitted to loneliness and allowed myself to abandon my morals and given in to sin. I'd gazed at the apple, taken the suggestion planted by the devil in my head, and a questionable friend. There is no turning back for me now. I was going to do another thing in my life I never thought I would ever do. Again, I was going to steal a moment of happiness from someone else to make my miserable life more bearable. It is the beginning of the end for me. The beginning of the end of me. Khalid and I had met a week earlier, several hours before sunset on the Sabbath day, the Friday. It was a chance meeting, perhaps orchestrated by the evil forces of darkness, to teach me a lesson, to get back at me for trying to change my ways earlier and failing. But school was the furthest thing from my mind that day when I saw him strolling past overstock shelves in Walmart and coming my way. To be continued. Did you enjoy this recent episode? Then stay tuned for a brand new episode of Writing Through the Pain, My Story Continued, every Wednesday night. Tune in next week, where I will share more of my story dealing with the impact of childhood sexual abuse. Well, as usual, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues, family members, acquaintances, and friends. After all, you never know who this podcast might speak to, inspire, uplift, inform, or help to break their silence about an incident or incidents of childhood sexual abuse in their lives. To leave a message about an episode of this podcast, or to become a potential guest on the show, please message me at anchor.fm forward slash Ingrid D. Johnson, all one word, forward slash message. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for supporting my mission. Good night and God bless you, my friends.